podcast. I am Joel here with my dad. Hi, and I'm Rick. We are glad you're here today. Yeah. So on our podcast, we talk about things that dad did right growing up. And uh, today I want to talk about how to raise creative kids. And I was thinking about the other day, uh, our daughter was asking, Elise was asking me to pull out the guitar and sing with her. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting because she's already starting to show this desire. She wants to write songs. She keeps saying, dad, I want to write a song. (laughs) And uh, it's, but it reminded me of when I was about 10 or 11, you forced us to take piano lessons and that didn't go well. Actually, that was your mom. Who that forced was mom. You to take piano. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was okay with it, but I had Somebody to back her up. forced me to take <laughs> piano lessons and I didn't, it was, did not go well. I hated it. I pretty much hated it. But here's the thing. Uh, when I was 16, I decided I wanted to play drums. And I remember the drum kit, this guy was selling a drum kit for like 400 bucks, which is a pretty good chunk of money back in the day. It's still a pretty good chunk of money pretty now. Pretty good chunk of money. And... You said, okay, I'll buy you a drum kit, but you have to be playing in a band within six months. Which which, was plenty of time. It was plenty of time, and it put the (laughs) pressure on me. But I thought about uh, how many other things we've tried, and we had tried in the past musically, and it just hadn't really taken. I think you'd given me a guitar or two, but for some reason, this one clicked. And I started thinking about our family, and you've got three really pretty creative kids and we're all creative in unique ways. I never thought of myself as creative, but my brother pointed out, he's actually, you're, he's like, you're actually pretty creative. So I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, so you got, you got Karis. She's really into arts and singing and musical and dance. And, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's our sister. You've got Jonathan. Who's, I would say he's probably the most creative among us. He, he just thinks on a different plane. Yeah. Um, it, he, he's definitely, he sees stuff coming before anybody else does. He comes up with very creative business ideas. Um, and so anyways, you got these kids and I was just thinking, how do you instill creativity in kids and, or maybe not even, or first of all, do you think your kids have to be naturally creative or is it something that every parent can instill, even if the parent doesn't feel that creative themselves? Well, I I think all of us actually are creative because we are created in the image of God, who is the most creative being of all. He created everything. And so if we're made in his image, then I, I just believe that there is a natural creativity that is born within all of us. But the problem is um, too often our society, particularly school, crushes it out of us, mm. you know, because the whole idea, and I mean, I'm coming from a principal's perspective. That's right. You have a master's degree in education. This edu- isn't a edu- knock on education. <laughs> you have a master's Whatever degree in educational, educational administration. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And have been associated with schools a lot, but but the the idea behind a school is you got to get the kids to fit into a pattern. You got to get the fit, kids to fit into the mold here because we can't be dealing with each child individually because I have too many of you. Mm. It's sad, isn't it? But you it know, is kind of the way it is. That's really interesting because Elise the other day she was super excited to start school, and she's in kindergarten. And she I I was laying with her the other day putting her to bed, and I was like, "So how are you like in school?" And she goes, "Actually, Dad, I don't like it." <laughs> and I said, "Why?" And she goes. They just make me sit there all day and learn things. And I was like, yeah. wow. I was like, well, sweetheart, yeah. you got about 14 more years of that. Yeah. And then you can go on with life. <laughs> but but yet, here's the crazy thing. I am seeing her. She's learning to read super fast. And yeah. we tried our best at it, and it wouldn't happen. And so a professional educator is teaching our daughter to read, and I'm grateful for that. But you're right. It's like yeah. we and- get jammed into this thing of like, here's some stuff you've got to learn, and here's how we've concluded is the best way for you to learn it. Yeah, and the, and it, it's especially hard on creative kids because, again... Which is Elise, yeah. Yeah, the, the perfect child in a school is a child that sits there and doesn't talk and doesn't disturb the class. That's the perfect child. Now that also could describe a dead child, you know? <laughs> and so a child that's alive and has got a lot of energy, 
well, we got to get him to fit into this mold because we can't have him disturbing the whole class. Right, and you've already got the struggle of you're having to teach to the the, the slowest learner in the yeah, class. Yeah, you got it. The yeah. lowest de common denominator. There's what you have to reach. And so, there are different systems that fit better for creative kids, you know, than the traditional school system. Um, and, that, and that's just the way it is because you have to kind of you have to kind of deal with the mass. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is. Even if you've only got even if you got small classrooms with say twelve or fifteen kids, that's still twelve or fifteen kids, and you have to kind of help the smallest and shortest one or slowest one along. You know. Well, and if the the teacher doesn't see themselves as particularly creative, which most of us don't, because we've again, I, I believe we've had it yeah. crushed out of us. We've had it, we've had it to where. I remember a story Jonathan tells where he was in art class in, I don't know, third grade or something. And again, he is definitely the most creative. I and mean, if you dumped all of our creativity in one bucket, it wouldn't even begin to compare yeah. to him, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I used to think I was creative until Jonathan came along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's the one that crushed it He's out of me. He's uncomfortably creative. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, if you, you, it's got to fit into that little box. And he tells a story about like in third grade or something. He was coloring, he was so proud of it. And the teacher came around and he'd colored this flower blue, you know? And she goes, flowers, there aren't green, blue green, flowers. Green, 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 Was it green? I think it was green because I was like, okay. wait, I've seen green I guess flowers. there are yeah. blue flowers. Okay, yeah. anyway, some color that she said there aren't, Flowers, that color. There are no green flowers, that's right. And so he was just destroyed, just devastated. So for years and years, he didn't think he was creative. And then suddenly in high school or somewhere along the road, he kind of figured out, well, maybe I am. And he began experimenting and doing things. And then years later, he ran across some flowers that were the actual flowers of the color. He was in a florist. And he says, do you dye these? No, that's their real color. Ha-ha, there are blue there are flowers green. or green flowers or whatever. art teacher. Yeah, yes. well, by the art teacher, which should be the most creative which of all, you know? Which is probably just her lack of exposure to, or she may have gotten thrown into the well, job. Well, she probably wasn't a real art teacher. Yeah. She probably is one who had had the creativity crushed out of her too and so felt like you always mm. have to color within the lines. You always have to color real colors. You can never be too weird or too out there. That's funny because in, in many ways, little kids naturally are creative. Yeah. I think you're right. As I think about it, I'm like, I really thought of myself as pretty creative as a kid, the ways I would come up with the play, things we would do. Oh, yeah. But then I had a series of, because I didn't fit the mold at school, well, this is going to turn into a knocking, a knock school, on school. school the whole thing. Is bad. Teachers are good. We like teachers. Yes. It's just the system that's bad. It's Well, and inherent. you know, the crazy thing is a lot of teachers say, I hate the system, but I have to work in it. Yeah. yeah. Because they see what it does. I mean, it's just the structure of it. Yeah. But I realized that, I, I guess it was probably after I'd written my second book that somebody came to me and was like, man, you guys, all you moms are so creative. I'm like, well, actually my sister and my brother are, but not me. And they're like, you wrote two books and, and you wrote two novels. I haven't had the novels published, but they're like, you wrote two novels. And I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. That does take some creativity to come up with how you're going to do that. It's more than just yeah. discipline, it's creativity. And I thought- oh, maybe I am creative. And then I started thinking, they're like, and you came up with this idea for this outdoor, and I'm like, well, I kind of stumbled into that. But maybe part of creativity is the willingness to act on it even. Yeah, I think that's a whole lot of it. Because that's what happens. We get it crushed out of us as a child. And by crushed out of us, it's like it all has to fit into the little box here. That yeah. is what we call school. And by, by the way, for all those of you who, you know, the public school system, thank God for the American public school system, as I understand it, was the first system in the world that tried to educate the masses and, and to where we ha have a, a literate, can read and write yeah. populace. So we're grateful for it, but by the very nature of what it's good at, everything has its strengths and its weaknesses, and one of its weaknesses is creativity. It tends to crush that. <clears throat> and that's why your art teachers, and you know, they're so big on this. 
uh, art teachers, music teachers, but that's always the last thing that gets funded, you know, That's too. right. That's always you who know? gets cut first. Yeah, okay. Time. Well, who needs music? You can go home and listen to a music kid, CD, you know, whatever. That's interesting, though, but they always fund sports. Yeah. It's- well, f- sports brings in the money, too, though, because they can charge admission and oh, they can true. sell stuff, you know, and the that's kids. That's true. So you get your scholarships based on that. You know, there are, there are art scholarships, but... Yeah. Not many people come to the art competitions. So if you, okay, let's start with this. Say you're, say you're one of those adults who's had their creativity crushed. Uh, you, you're, and There's no hope for and you. And you're thinking at this podcast, like, yeah, I was a creative kid. What happened to that? Uh, what do you do to reignite it? Well, I think the biggest thing is you have to get over what they hammered into you. Here we go to school again. Hammered into you in school is... Don't fail. Don't fail. You have to get over that fear of failure. That's good. You yeah, because be to- art, art is about... Uh, that's interesting because I, I'm reading this book. I'll keep finishing, then I'll go over Yeah, you book. just have to get over the fear of failure. I remember uh, I was a young guy and decided I wanted to learn to play guitar, you know, and so I, you know, I figured it's got six strings. I have five fingers. Six times five is 30. There's only 30 combinations. It can't be that hard, right? <laughs> it shows how little I knew. But I just picked up one and I had to not be afraid of looking stupid, you know? And there've been many times down the road where I thought, well, man, I'd like to learn to do that, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to really look like an idiot. Learn in Spanish, you feel like an idiot, you know? But um, you have to get over the fear of failure and get over the fear of looking foolish if you aren't very adept at it. You may never be good at it, but if you enjoy it, who cares? Yeah. Painting, you know? You may never get really great at it. You may never be able to sell your stuff, but who cares if you're enjoying it? That's true. And so all these things, you just have to get over the fear of failure, I think, is number one. And then number two, do it. Try it. Mark Batterson says that. He says the fear for failure, no, the the, the cure for the fear of failure is not success. It's failure. It's failure. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. So it made me think of this. There's this book I read called uh, Old Masters and Young Geniuses, The Two Life Cycles of Creativity. And he basically said that artists, creative types, movie makers, um, can can be narrowed down into kind of these two different ways of doing their art. And the conceptual is the one where the, the idea comes complete and they produce this work even at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they get an idea in their mind, they produce it and they create it. And uh, it, like guys like Raphael. That's Mas- kind of your savants. Your yeah, like genius. Raphael and Masaccio were considered those. They just mm-hmm. literally, some of their greatest works were at age 26, 27, 28. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. But then there's this other kind of artist called the experimental, and I've concluded that's me, where they kind of build on each other and they'll find in their paintings, they like painted it and then they repainted it and then they repainted it and they, you know, they do these scans of it. And their, their work developed, Leonardo da Vinci was one of those, that their work develops over time to where they become these old masters where their greatest works happen in their 50s or 60s. And it's interesting because a lot of these old masters they get accused by the art experts of never actually completing their works. These, this is the artist that's left the most uncompleted works out yeah. there, but these uncompleted works are hanging in museums. Yeah. But it's because they're, they were developing and some, he had some quotes in there. I was remembering where he's, where they're like, um, well, it, the work is not, the goal is not to be done. The goal is to create. And so yeah. these experimentalists, they've got this more sense of, we don't create a, the, the work may never be, uh, uh, Mark Twain was actually one of those. He wrote Huckleberry Finn, I think, in, in his, uh, I think it was late 40s or 50s. And a lot of people say that book is horrible because it wasn't done, but they said he wrote it over a 10-year period. And he said he'd get bored with it and then come back and fix it then get bored with it and then change the plot, get bored with it and change it. Yeah. But it's interesting because... 
they're both creative types. You have the type that it just explodes on the scene. Like here's the perfect complete idea. And then they paint it and it's like, whoa, they celebrate this 27 year old genius. But then there's others that plot along, which is kind of where I raise my hand and say, that's me yeah. plodding along until I come up with a good idea. <laughs> well, I think maybe perhaps part of the reason Da Vinci was that way is he was really as much a scientist yeah. as an artist. And so his, his scientific model, you know, mathematics and the balance and all this stuff worked into the art. But because that's, that's one thing about, I think, too, the other thing we can do if you want to learn, be creative, is learn what has been done, too, because otherwise you're just duplicating what has been done and you think you're being all this creative stuff, you know. So, so for the scientist, the one that wants to kind of, for the person that doesn't want to just pick up a paintbrush and just slap paint on there, but they want to, you know, some personalities want to research it more and know about it. That's that, good that's too. That's conceptuals. Conceptuals love to research it beforehand. And that would be okay because yeah. that way then you know what's already been done and you can build on that. And then you and then you realize I'm being creative based on this foundation and you can take it a little further. And that's how they come up with a complete idea. You know what would fix this create this idea with creativity would be this. Whereas experimentalists, they kind of dabble in it. and Just piddle along yeah. or whatever and who knows. But, and you think you've come up with something creative and... All you did was do the same thing. Pretty much everything's been done before, right? Yeah, just, yeah. That that that's another thing they said about the con, the experimental types. The type that's more like me, as they said that um, one of them they interviewed him and he said, uh, "I I can only come up with creative things when I'm able to have a model in front of me." He says, "I've got to have a model of something in front of me, and then I can build off of that." But I can't. Which would that wouldn't fit more on the conceptual, but. Anyways, there's probably some yeah. overlap in both, but so you're saying get over the fear of failure. I think maybe another part of it would be recognizing how you develop creatively, because I think for folks like me that develop slowly creatively, um, like Jonathan just sees what needs to happen way beforehand. I don't know how he does it. It's my brother. Yeah, I mean, he just sees needs for stuff that you're like, what? There's not. I didn't even see think that was a thing. Like we, I joke all the time about how he, when he told me about Twitter. He's like, hey man, you, I got you this domain name that you're gonna you're gonna use. It got Joel Malm at Joel Malm, and I'm like, what's it for? It's Twitter. And I was like, well, what is that? He's like, it's this thing we're in, whatever, 26 letters. I was, I was the same way. I go, what? That's a like, dumbest what's the point of that? Of. He saw it like <laughs> five years before it took off or whatever. So I, but I got my domain name for or whatever it's called, username. But he's, I wonder if he's more of a conceptual type. And then, uh, but anyway, so I think maybe knowing how your creativity works and not judging. The fact that maybe if your creativity is slow, yeah, the the end product versus the process of it. I think another thing would be kind of shoot low, make your goal to enjoy what you're doing, mm. because then you're not worried about oh, does anybody else like this? Is this somebody what some somebody else like? You know, it's like writing for yourself. You know, if you find some fulfillment in writing for yourself, yeah, then you're going to be able to do it. And and here's the thing I found. If you enjoy it, other people usually will too. That's true. It's a lot in speaking. If you enjoy what you're saying and you're having a good time, other people will too. If you're stumbling, if you're stressed, if you're trying to make sure that it's so perfect and colors within the lines and meets everybody's expectations, then you're going to be so stressed. Nobody else is going to enjoy it either. That is true when people take their writing so seriously. It's yeah. like, come on. We had to do a, we had to do a podcast about writing a book sometime. We'll do that. But... um. <laughs> It that it is interesting too because so I want to go back to like you you forced me to you you got me the drum set so you like gave me the tools for it but then you also right. put a deadline on me and I do think that some creative types actually need a deadline for their in fact a lot of people would claim their greatest creativity comes the twenty four hours before their deadline yeah 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely that way, but I don't think it's creativity. I think it's just- But for some kids, that would take the joy out of it, though. Yeah, I just can't make my brain focus until I have to. I'm, just, the, I'm the opposite. If I'm me, under man. pressure, I can't be creative, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I that's just, different, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the squirrel out the window and whatever else when I don't have to be there. You know, it's like, oh, wow. But when I'm under the pressure, then I can actually focus and get it done, you know? I see Elise doing, doing that. Like, she doesn't like the pressure because I'll be like, okay, in 10 minutes, the timer's going to go off and you've got to finish your little art project. But dad, what if it's not done? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's going to be done <laughs> well, in 10 minutes. Done. Yes. <laughs> no, but and then the timer goes, she's like, dad, dad, it's not done. I need to complete it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but she's, I, but anyway, my point is, I guess for some kids, for them to get their creativity, it would be, you would want to put a deadline. Like probably, I probably in my teens needed that deadline because man, I remember about three months before I was like, oh man, he's going to sell this drum set. And I remember I did the work to find me a drum teacher. I went and signed up for the school band. And then I, yeah. and. Well, the reason I put that deadline on is I really didn't think you were going to play the drums. I thought it was just, you know, one of those passing fads, you know. I thought you wanted to be a musician and then you decide you want to be a drummer uh, instead. Boo. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. Mu so, usually the best musician on the stage is the drummer for your record. But of course, Anyways, but yes. of course. So, um, But it led to me other doing other music. But it anyway, did, ahead, it yeah. did. But I just, I didn't care if it was drums or whatever. I just wanted to make sure you were going to actually do it. And I felt like it might be another one of those down the road here that we don't put any effort into it. And so I made sure that I could resell the drum set for more than we were buying it That's for. That's right. We got a deal on those <laughs> we drums. We got a really good deal. It did work out though well because it when did. I started playing with the band, then I got I started asked to play for other events and I actually became qu quite a good drummer for there. I was actually drumming, making money, playing drums. Who would have thought? Yeah. It, that was in my late teens. And I should have taken a commission off of that because That's when right. he was learning, we were in a concrete house, concrete block house with tile floors, no carpet, no, it was just one of these solid, it was like a resounding cymbal. And we couldn't get him to play with a pad because it didn't have the right bounce. You got to have the right bounce. got to have the right, you got to know how to, <laughs> that's a good point too, is man, it takes a lot of tolerance on a part of a parent for oh, your the creative kid. family you get a kid that's got a saxophone, like learn to play the oh. saxophone, like, yeah. Ah, hee, ah, yeah. Yeah, and that drum rattled the whole house. I mean, it was just like, you couldn't it go did. anywhere to escape it. I remember even when I got the pads on it, the kick drum still was like, boom, boom. yeah, yeah. So that would be another thing, you know, let your kids, if you're talking about letting your kids, let them, let them find what they enjoy doing and then, you know, let them spend their time on that. And it does take some tolerance sometimes. Which is an interesting thing because once I got the drums down, it literally opened up the floodgates for me. You guys had tried to get me to do the piano and tried to get the guitar with nominal success. Again, your mom had worked on minimal the piano. Minimal success, not nominal, minimal success. <laughs> Uh, but the drums, as soon as I learned the drums, I all of a sudden started learning how to read drum music. And then I started getting engaged in the, like the idea of, well, what really happened is somebody was like, uh, they, her, their son asked me to come and teach them drums. And the dad said to me, well, I'd like, I really like my son to learn a real instrument. And I was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> so then I decided I was going to get really good at guitar. And then I started taking guitar lessons, took piano lessons, took music theory, took voice composition. And, it, but it all started with, the drums. The, the drums, yeah. yeah. So that is so the drums can lead to real instruments. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's all, but it's also the idea that sometimes you just need to get your kids on a creative path and let them find what element of it. Yeah. Which that can get pricey if your kids are into expensive stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Well, make sure you buy it cheaper than you can sell it for. <laughs> you can resell it. That's true. Yeah, and then, put, and then put the little bit of pressure on it. Uh, so here's the thing. What if you're... I had a guy the other day and told me, he's like, 
both my wife and I are accountants. There's not a lot of creativity in our house. And I was like, you don't want a creative accountant. <laughs> no, you don't. I'll get you thrown to jail. In jail yeah. <laughs> That's right. So what do you do if you aren't, you and your spouse aren't creative? Like, how do you even figure out how to help your kids be creative? Well, I mean, you and both mom, both are creative. So yeah. we were blessed with that, but. Well, I mean, the other thing is to, I mean, creativity is not all the end all, you know, we do need accountants. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're frustrating your child by trying to get him to be creative, be creative, you know, that's true. He may be one that likes to color within the lines and we need those people who like to color within the lines, like to stay in there and like to have it to, you know, they like to see the brown bear, not the purple bear, you know? know, and so they want it all colored, right? That's okay too. And there may be creativity in other areas, you know, as well, because it's not just in music or in art, you know. Um, yeah. A lot of times just coming up with creative ideas for a new product or some idea like that or a, a better way to do accounting, you know, maybe a shortcut or something. And that's an interesting thing too because there's original creativity and then there's like, for example, like, uh, you know, America, we're known for making these creative electronic products and then the Japanese like make it awesome. Yeah. Uh, so... There's the, the idea of there's the creativity of like original creativity and then there's the improving on what's their creativity. Yeah, yeah. Somebody Which, said America is one of the most creative countries and then the Japanese miniaturize it. That's true. <laughs> and they, and they make it, yeah, they're like, whoa, who came up with that? So, well, it's a, yeah. Well, so it has the flashbang. But that's it, a yeah. different kind of creativity because it, that culture is a lot more of, of conformity driven. Right, yeah. And and so again, that's why I say there's not, not, I mean, thank God that not everybody's out there a leader of the charge, you know, not everybody's a creative uh, savant out there coming up with new ideas. There need to be some, you know, it's like you need so many pioneers, but after the pioneers go, or after the, uh, the, the pioneers go through, you need settlers to come in and settle that's the right. land, you know. And just otherwise hold it, the fort down, man. Yeah, yeah, otherwise it just grows back over. The pioneers have whacked their way through the bushes, but if there aren't settlers in there, then within a year you got bushes again. And so you need some people who'll just come in and kind of settle things. So don't be disappointed if your kids don't tend to be creative. I think we just need to encourage them to be how, you know, here's, here's an interesting, we, we quote that scripture, train up a child in the way he should go. And I don't think we put the emphasis on the right way. We talk about the train up, uh, he should go. But I think the emphasis needs to be a train up a child in the way he or she, in the way he should go. In other words, God has deposited within them certain skills and certain abilities and mm. certain things. And so train them in the way, in a, as a shepherd, you need to figure out what is that way for that sheep and then train that child into that. And so, so if they do have interest in creativity, then foster that. If they have an interest in accounting and numbers and things, then foster that. That's, that's okay a, too. That's a good point because you see a lot of parents forcing their kids into sports or things and the kids are just, they detest it. Yeah, uh, that's what like with Elise, man. We just cannot get her to ride her bike. Yeah, like she's just not into riding her bike. It's a scary thing for her, but she will sit at the table and draw and cut things and like cut cut up uh, figures and shapes yeah. for like four or five hours. And I'm that's like, amazing. And it used to be like, I used to be like, we need to get her out there riding that bike. And I'm like, it's just not who she yeah. is, I guess. And then there's an element you push your kids a little bit, but I see a lot yeah. of parents with their kids and, and teens. And they're pushing them in a certain direction, like you need to be in band or you need to be in yeah. athletics or whatever over here. And a lot of times it's because we're wanting to live our life through them. Yeah, we always true. wanted to be athletic and we were always the klutz or whatever. So yeah. I'm get my child out there to do or, that. Or if you were a super creative type and your kid's not that, you're like, what's wrong with my kid? And you're like, yeah. well, maybe he's 
got the brain to be the accountant that yeah. we don't want to be created. Maybe he can balance your books as you're a starving artist. <laughs> That's right. That's a really good point. Train up the child in the way he or she should go, which means obviously there's boundaries of what they should be doing, but there's an element of helping them steward who they are. I mean, yeah. You're a collaborator, a co-laborer, a worker with what God put in them and then you helping them with that move towards that. Yeah. It kind of goes back to, I, I shared this before, where, um, you know, the, the, I, in Samuel it says, God, a man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I realized a number of years ago that as a parent, okay, it's easy for me to look on the outward appearance, what they're doing and all those things, you know, they're, they're messing up or this. Uh, instead of looking at the heart, what did God mold that child? What, what are the heart desires, the drives in that child? And that's what training them up in the way they should go implies, finding out how what unique, gifts God has deposited in that child. And doing math is a gift. You know, we talk about accountants. When I was, you know, joke about accountants. Man, I, I don't have that gift. Yeah. Like math and um, so there are, that's a gift as well. So there are all these gifts and creativity is one aspect of that. Well, and even in math, there's creativity if you look at Einstein. Well, my math was very creative, but I always failed algebra because of it. <laughs> but you came up with the wrong answer, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. X plus Y. I don't know. P? I don't know. That's really that's a really good way to end the podcast. Just the idea that really, if you want to instill creativity in your kids, you need to identify where God has gifted them with that creativity. Don't get a specific paradigm in your mind of what creative, creativity right. needs to look like. Like creativity is music in our family. Maybe not for your son or daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you could force them to do that, but then that's that. What's it? Parents don't exasperate your children or what's the word right, parents yeah. don't uh yeah fathers don't ex it is exasperating one of the translations yeah. don't uh don't create anger don't anger your children um and the other thing is it can change over time as well and so you know a little kid may be interested in one thing and a lot of times by people they're influenced by like i'm thinking in your riding the bike example you know if she starts hanging around with other little girls that are riding their bikes boy all of a sudden she's going to be interested in riding her bike that's true and so it can it can develop by uh influence by just their change they see something they that that causes them to have an interest in that and so um you know we our kids are constantly developing and we need to constantly just be encouraging those things that are going to point them toward the lord and uh, and and uh, what would you say, water the seeds of whether creativity, the seeds of the gifts that God has placed in them, water and encourage those things so that they grow and begin to produce whatever fruit God intends for that child to produce, and ourselves as well. That's what I was going to say. In yeah. yourself, it applies too. You've got to recognize, well, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm realizing now I'm just not that good at this, but man, yeah. there are other things I'm good at and lean into that. And what is it I like to do? Because if you like to do it, you'll probably be better at it. Yeah. And so figure out what you like to do. And it may not be something you can make a profession out of. That's okay. Uh, do it because you enjoy doing it. If you liked what you heard, please consider sharing this with a friend. For more information, visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Thanks for listening.